In any event, uh, if you got to make a fool of somebody is sort of the subtext of where we are tonight, because as I was saying, COVID-19 is fertilizer to fraudsters. And we have Professor Fraud, Bill Cressy, an assistant professor at Governor State University. But in addition to that, an attorney, CPA, certified in financial forensics, a certified fraud examiner, forensic accountant and Chicago election commissioner. So we got a lot to talk about. And thanks for joining us, Bill, on WGN. (coughs) Great to be on, and I'm glad you said what you said about that last bumper oh, music. I've horrible. heard what great bumper music you have, and that was oh, that was awful. That was not good. No, and <laughs> you know the the problem is I set them up, and sometimes I don't have time to hear them. And I've got you know a good fifty thousand records on that computer, and it said if you got to make a fool to somebody, I believed it. What a fool! Yep. What a fool! Well, well there you go. Yeah, Think, exactly. Well, it proves the point of this segment yes. that you know fraud never sleeps. Well, know? yes, yes, and that's a good way to put it. That record was fraud. Excellent. All right. So. <laughs> Now, my favorite in the uh, in the write-up that Ashley did, giving me all sorts of information on this, my, my favorite anecdote is that children as young as one years old have bogus unemployment claims filed successfully because they were supposed unemployed child actors. Someone actually got money for this? Uh, that is what uh, a uh, news station uh, in California is investigating right now. Yeah. And this... Um Unemployment insurance scams is sweeping the country just in the last few weeks. I mean, it's, it's always been a problem, but since the the COVID nineteen pandemic and the federal legislation that um, that liberalized a lot of the uh, the, the mechanics for uh, unemployment insurance. Um, the bad guys have figured out ways uh, once again to separate you know, uh, you from your money, really, uh, the taxpayers from their money. Uh, and at first, uh, one of the liberalizations was that it uh, it allowed usually un- uh, unemployment uh, compensation, unemployment insurance is only available for people who have been working uh, for wages for a company. Yeah. And it's been opened up that people that were self-employed now could apply for unemployment insurance. Well, suddenly... Uh, our friends, the fraudsters, have decided that now they're going to start, you know, just pulling people's names and social security numbers. They can you can buy caches of this on off the dark web, and making these applications, which you can do online, and having these these essentially you know debit cards mailed out because the agencies want to get the money out to the people right away, and they're being sent to. Uh, to mailboxes that the uh, the bad guys control. Uh, in some cases, they'll find a vacant house. They'll go to Home Depot, buy a mailbox, hang it on the house, and the mail gets delivered. And they get these cards, and they start spending wildly on it. You know, and uh, and and now California, because of some reports, and I, you know, as I've been working with uh, some uh, a journalist out there, California actually took a two-week moratorium on accepting any new claims so they could put more controls in place to prevent a lot of this from happening. But it seems the bad guys found uh, a loophole, and they are applying for unemployment for for ch- child actors, and... Um, and so uh, and so it goes. So uh, the, and and it has 
in like so many trends, they seem to start on the West Coast and then, you know, travel yeah. eastward across the country. We are seeing it. The, my own university I work for just today alerted all of its employees. We've had, you know, numerous members of our, you know, uh, faculty and staff um, where our HR department has gotten notice that supposedly these people must have quit because they all filed for unemployment. And uh, it's this is a really bad problem that's really just uh, uh, taken off like wildfire right now. When you said that independent contractors could apply, this removes what was maybe only the, the safety gate here, where normally in an unemployment claim, the employer is notified so that they will answer whether or not they are obligated to pay the portion of the, uh, of the claim in a higher unemployment compensation rate. But if you're talking about an independent contractor, you take that element out of that. Exactly. You, they, in, in, you know, you know, as they were trying to do a good thing by getting this money out to people that have been not working because of, of the pandemic. But, you know, as they say, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. And uh, our fraudster uh, friends or fiends out there uh, took advantage of this because they realized that, yes, this control was thus taken out of the system, and then they, they, they drove a Mack truck through that loophole. So, uh, so the, the states all, and, and they're getting on it, you know, they're, they're starting to put the controls in place, but the bad guys are going to figure out new ways to get around the, the, the new controls they put in place. And uh, we see this after any kind of disaster. Of course, this one is, you know, larger by far than anything, but whenever there's a, a hurricane, a, a tornado, an earthquake, the bad guys will take advantage of it to try and get some easy money rather than you know, put in a full day's work. Right, and it's easy for them, but in the case of insurance fraud, not easy for the policyholders who aggregately have increased rates. But with regard to unemployment insurance, uh, there again, it's predicated on the pool, and the employers, of course, are paying a percentage of it based on their on their payroll. And if suddenly a state is giving it away to people who are not connected with employers who are paying in, this is going to further deplete the resources. And I assume that what is going to happen in states like California is that the unemployment rates that employers are pay- paying quarterly are just going to go through the roofs. Right. To, 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 to refund those pools. Additionally, you have a situation where when the folks are stealing or using stolen identities to apply for these claims, uh, some of the states have now turned around. We've seen this here in Illinois, and they they realize, hey, this was uh, this claim was not legitimate, and they turn around and they try to collect the monies they paid out to the fraudster from the actual person whose identity was stolen. Well, you're adding insult to injury. Or like exactly. There was that case in Baton Rouge where an individual found out he was a victim of identity theft and a fraudulent claim had been filed, and he, of course, contacted the... Uh, uh, and what happened, as you can guess, when that happens, the CFO of his company went to him and said, we didn't fire you, what are you filing a claim for? He's like, I didn't file a claim. Well, so he, he reports it, nothing done about it. He winds up getting fired, or we'll, we'll just say laid off because it happens with a lot of people with COVID. Now he has mm-hmm. to file a legitimate claim. They approve it, and they put all his money in the fraudster's bank account and won't give it back to him. Right, right. Uh, 
you see you see those situations you see situations where uh again they're going after the legitimate person yeah. either trying to collect it or um uh what have you and uh i just heard of another case a um uh, a colleague of a friend of mine who was an identity theft victim about three years ago everything died down suddenly this has come back and it's something i tell identity theft victims uh you know when when someone steals your identity and steals your social security number you are at at risk of it happening again until the day you die yeah oh yeah and um it is in that in that you know, it, because of that, it is really one of the worst crimes that you can perpetrate on someone. I agree. I agree, because even if you don't lose funds, the time you lose in terms of money, it's like having another full-time job trying to restore your identity. And, of course, everybody looks at you askance like you're the scammer. So we're talking mm-hmm. with Bill Cressy, and he is Professor Fraud. So if you have been victimized in any way and want to share your tale of woe, well, I want to hear it, and maybe Bill will have some tips for you as well. 888-876-5593 is 8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio. When all else fails, drag out the 45s. WGN Radio, I'm Raleigh James. That is James Ray. Yeah, James Ray. And if you got to make a fool of somebody on Caprice in 1962, black and silver label, I'm watching it turn around. All right, so we are talking with Professor Fraud, Bill Cressy, and <laughs> unemployment fraud is is utterly stupefying in terms of the implication. And as I'm saying that, I have to admit, Bill, that it was probably two months ago now that I went to one of our radio stations and got in the mail a uh, credit card for somebody's employment at our station address from someone I'd absolutely never heard of. Of course, I I tried to call and uh, nobody answered, so I filled out the online fraud report and I sliced the card up and that was the end of it. Of course, I never heard anybody and I thought, well, they must have gotten the wrong address. No, they must have been figuring that I wasn't going to be there to get the mail that day. Mm -hmm. That's frightening. Yeah, it and uh and very often these things are mailed out to, you know, multiple times, I mean, uh, dozens, hundreds of of folks. They may, you know, a lot of them are going to get cut up, and they're going to be thrown out, but the ones that get through that get into their hands, that's when they they go to the races. Yeah. Oh, you betcha. My husband said, just use it. I said, no, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, said, I can't just use it. And he said, well, why not? No, they no, no, they no. mailed it to you. I said, no, they didn't. They mailed it to somebody's name I've never heard of. And then I said, you know, they take pictures of you at the cash registers at Walmart. I can't, I can't use this. So, uh, yeah, if anybody gets them, for God's sakes, don't use them. So, as usual, I figured this would bring some calls. So, Bill is in Chicago. Welcome to WGN. Radio. Yeah, I got a question to ask. You see these see these stories on TV about the unemployment fraud, and you're now on the radio with it. Now, is there any place that you can go to a site that you can go into and see if your name been used as a fraud before you get nailed with all this stuff? And they say, "Well, you've done this, and then you got to fight it." Great question. What do you think? Um, 
some some of the uh, services, uh, and I don't want to you know plug any particular service. Uh, uh, the credit monitoring service and stuff will um, go in and uh, monitor the dark web, looking for your name and seeing if it's been used, and will let you know that. That's probably the most effective way to be to be prepared um, uh, for that. Um, the, the the key is if you get. You, you, Americans have to be wary of what's going on out there, and be able and ready to respond. So, if if you get something in the mail from the uh, in in Illinois, the Illinois Department of Employment Security, and you're like, oh, I'll just ignore it. Do not ignore it. Okay, you have to report it to IDES. Also. Report it to your local police department. Get a police report. Get a copy of it. Yes. And um, and yeah, that way, it, 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 if it comes back later, you have proof that yeah, I reported this thing. You know. Yes. Uh, that's well, one can, of the, I know the can, key can, steps. I know it can cause you a lot of headaches because yes. I didn't know if they had any place now, but oh, back in ninety when I filed my taxes in ninety seven, they served my ninety six taxes. They sent back and said that I had received a ten thousand dollar pension on the railroad, and somebody stole my wife's social security number and claimed social security. Oh. Well, I, it took me mm. two years to get yeah. that thing straightened out. Easily, and it's a and wonder you did. One, yeah, well, it, it, I did get it straightened out, Good. but I mean, it was just—it was really a headache for a while because, yeah, in fact, the name that was used every now and then still appears. On your credit. If I if I go in, if I go into the website and mm-hmm. Google my name or anything like that, it'll it'll tell it'll have my wife's name with that other woman's name. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So it's still out there. I mean, the name's still out there. It will be there so forever. Three, yeah. Right. Well, she passed away three years ago. Don't worry about her. But right. it's just I wonder if there's a site you go into and really check it out. Yeah. You betcha. All right, Bill. Glad it worked okay. out. You were lucky. All right. Thanks for Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You know, uh, sadly, Professor Fraud, by the time it's on your credit report, you've already descended into the seventh level of hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, you, you, you can imagine the stories I hear of oh. people whose identities are stolen oh. and the you know, uh, banging your head against the wall trying to get this thing worked out and going years and spending money, in some cases hiring you know, uh, attorneys to help them with it. And it's, it's really horrid, the stories I've heard. Um, I've, you know, I've had a few cases myself where somebody's, you know, stolen my, my identity and uh, not so much stolen my identity, but, uh, actually, uh, impersonated me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and, and had to, to, to fight that. So it is, uh, such a nefarious crime, and as you pointed out, in in, in long lasting, you mm-hmm. never can be confident that it's not going to come back and haunt you again. Right, right, absolutely. In fact, I, I think that type of theft is probably worse in terms of over the aggregate than when personal property is stolen from you. So right, because not only do you use, lose your personal property, but with this, you're also losing your peace of mind. Oh, and are you ever? There's yeah. no way of compensating you for that. Right, you betcha. All right, we've got Graham in New Jersey, and uh, got about a minute before the news, so be concise. Okay, well, mine is actually kind of a long story. I got my uh, business 
identity stolen. I had someone call my insurance company claiming to be the CEO of my business, and they set up uh, a certificate of insurance with a load board. Uh-huh. And I had um, this guy basically stole about $40,000 from a bunch of small-time contractors who have no customers of their own and get their work off the Internet websites. And it was actually someone from the Postal Inspection Service who took an interest in it. Okay, hang, and actually hang on, got hang, the guy putting. Hang on a minute, uh, Graham. I want to want to pick it up right there. And uh, the part I like already about this story is someone did take an interest, and often that's what it takes. We are talking with Professor Fraud, Bill Cressy. And if you have identity theft or other fraud problems, or if you know of anybody who's really scamming the system, I don't think you're going to beat the one-year-old with the unemployed actor compensation. But you can try. We'll pick it up right there on WGN Radio. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. Sal Matthews doing Fool. That was on Columbia. Probably would have been a much bigger hit if it was on a label that knew how to promote soul records. But nonetheless, 1975 Uncharted. And we are talking with Professor Fraud. Bill Cressy, in addition to being an assistant professor at Governor State University, has uh, uh, a, uh, a resume as long as your arm. And it includes being the former director of the Center for the Study of Fraud and Corruption. So he knows all or most and will tell some. And we were in the middle of hearing Graham story and Graham so someone took an interest which is what saved you well what happened was I they told me they were going the person who stole my identity was in the Memphis Tennessee area so I got in touch the um, white collar crime division and they said they would put it in a box for the um, postal inspection service and, of course, about a year or so later, I contact the Postal Inspection Service because I'd heard nothing after, you know, I had people stopping by my house and blocking my wife into the driveway oh, God. looking for money. Oh, God. Yes. And, um, and people who were saying that they were, and I got sued by um, a uh, Russian guy from down in, um, down south, down in um, you're Louisiana. Lucky. You're lucky that's all that happened and, with a Russian guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm not really too worried about that. You know where I live. We're, you know, <laughs> even our dogs have guns down here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in the meantime, I, I have the, uh, I call up the, the Postal Inspection Service at the Newark, Newark Post Office. Um and they had heard nothing about anything, and my local PD was very upset when I filled out a report because they're like, this is going to be an unsolved crime. It's going to go against us forever. Oh, God. And I'm like, well, sorry, fill out the application. And in the meantime, as I'm explaining ICC regulations and stuff like that, the cop, was, the local cop, his eyes were just glazing over. He had no clue what I was talking about. Yeah, right. And... Um, Eventually, I got a hold of somebody in the Postal Inspection Service who got really perturbed about the whole thing. And uh, we, by the time he found out about it, it was about two weeks after the videotape of the guy coming over to the post office to retrieve his mail, it would have gotten taped over. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. so eventually the guy gets stopped at a traffic stop 
um, on Labor Day weekend and ends up getting his uh, his backside thrown in the can for a little while. Well, good. Now, has it resolved at the point that this is no longer a problem? Well, fortunately, when the guy sued me, I was my insurance company, being the nice people that they are, said we don't really see somewhere in your commercial liability or your automotive liability that we're responsible for this. And I said, well, I have a a million dollar general policy, a general liability policy, which I think should be covering this. It would. And you you just heard the person on the other side doing the humana, humana, humana. And then the next day, I know I have a nice lawyer down south who's calling me with a, you know, saying, we're going to take care of this for you, Mr. Smith. Good. You know? Good. I'm glad and, Glad it worked out. So that, yeah, I didn't get beat up too bad. It's just the one, my wife getting blocked in the driveway by some Russian guy. <laughs> she wasn't really too happy about it. <laughs> he parked in the empty lot next to my house. Well, thank God for the armed dogs. Thanks, Graham. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the, the the big takeaways from Graham's story is you really need to know who the appropriate agency is to turn to. And I'll tell you, I have got the greatest respect uh, respect for the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Um, uh, I sometimes say they're, they're sort of the Rodney Dangerfields of law enforcement because they they seem to get no respect. Uh, you know, people look at them as you know um, uh, mailmen with badges, but. These folks, when it comes to the fraud crimes, they are on top of it. Uh, their, their, their unit here in Chicago probably has one of the best crime labs in the Midwest. Uh, they really take their job seriously. They do a great job. And I think, you know, definitely if, you, if you're a victim of a fraud crime, report it to your local police. The Chicago police has a magnificent uh, financial crimes unit, but also report it to the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. Those folks really know their stuff. Now, it's very timely that you said that, because last hour we were talking with Project Veritas about this postal worker who had become a whistleblower and what happened to him. And, of course, he's been set up by the Postal Service in ways that, well, the entire interrogation is online. So I know you have dealt with elections, being a Chicago election commissioner, and you've probably Mm -hmm. heard all about that story. What do you think is going on? Well, if I recall from the story, the interrogation was, was wasn't that performed by FBI, not postal inspectors? No, uh, Russell, Russell Strasser, USPS federal investigator. I don't know what mm. that is, but that's who he was. Okay. Um, yeah, U.S. Postal Service federal investigator. I'm not sure what that is, because <laughs> usually the Postal Inspection Service calls themselves, you know, right. uh, U.S. PIS. Um, uh, uh, so I really don't know who that is, but uh, that that is a disturbing story, yeah. uh, and uh, not just stories. Uh, I mean, they've got the the tapes, so, and it's mm-hmm. it's disturbing uh, what what happened to this man. Um, and I think that really has to be taken in, into all of it into account. Um, I mean, the, this was an election that, due to the, the you know the pandemic, uh, a lot of changes had to be made on the fly. It's like you know doing a, an engine tune-up while the car is running. But we're not going to 
my biggest concern, one of my biggest concerns as, a, as, as an election commissioner, is making sure that people have confidence in our elections. Bingo. And that means we have to have transparency. If it means we have to go back and and recount uh, votes by hand, then we do it. I personally, I've been working uh, with uh, some folks at uh, MIT and Caltech. We're trying to, de- and, and we're developing what we call a post-election risk asse- uh, risk assessment audits, where we can go in and conduct an audit, looking at the actual paper or at least you know PDF scans of, of ballots and 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 just you know uh, just to, to to give the voter confidence that when they cast a ballot that that ballot was in fact counted and that the election results that were reported are uh, true and right now we don't have any certified findings um, no. you know the the, the election uh, agencies do not certify for you know at least I don't know of any uh, Illinois we we won't uh, certify for another uh, week and a half or more and uh, so everything we're looking at now are the unofficial preliminary numbers let's go through the whole process if there are questions let's clear them up if it's a misunderstanding, let's clear it up. We, I, I think election officials, and most of them are really good at it, but we have to realize it's the election officials that call the elections, not the media. And we and election officials have to their goal and, and my personal motto as, as an election commissioner is that the process is more important than the outcome. I really don't care who gets elected as long as they got elected because the people cast their votes. That's it. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that's why this has been so disheartening to me, the individuals who are immediately dismissing out of hand some very big concerns. And I'm not saying that, in fact, fraud occurred, but there are enough on-the-surface irregularities that are begging for investigation, and there are a number of people who are, in fact, demonizing those calling for it. And uh, you know, the, the issue is almost growing exponentially by the day, in part because of the huge number of people who are not on board with trying to certify it. But let me ask you this, because I've wondered, there are some states that have disobeyed court orders in terms of keeping votes segregated so that if there's a recount. So let's say a state, Pennsylvania, for instance, decided we aggregated everything. Here's all the ballots, period. Well, in that kind of investigation, how on earth, let's say you even determine, for instance, we'll say, okay, we found out there's fraud. Well, all right, so maybe there's 27,000 fraudulent ballots. Okay, but they've been aggregated. How do you know which ones they were? You don't. Well, and, and what do you uh, do? We've, we've never done this. It's, it's, in my, in, from what I know, uh, it's never been done in a presidential election, uh, but it has been done in U.S. Senate elections. It's been done in uh, in congressional election. Just what I'm going you, to you you hold a new election. Right, you invalidate we, the vote. Yeah. We invalidate it, and you run a new election, just like yeah. they did down in North Carolina a couple of years ago. Right, right, and foreign countries. I think they've, they, in Israel, they've done it to Netanyahu like three or four times now. Yeah, so which which is one of the arguments why we shouldn't get rid of the electoral college, right? Because otherwise, we'd have to have the entire nation, you know, with a do-over. Well, right, you know. The, 
Right. This way we can do a recount just by the states where there are problems or or a new election if it comes to that. No, absolutely good wrinkle in that. And we'll pick it up right there. Bill Cressy is joining us. Professor Fraud, if it's hit you personally, well, it's just turned your life upside down. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. 888-876-5593. That's 8888-R-O-L-L-Y-E. But now on WGN Radio, it's time for Walter's Perspective, sponsored by Hearing HealthCenter.com. You won't get wind of this on national TV, an election war still being waged. Here in Illinois, the Chicago Tribune versus Mike Madigan, Speaker of the Illinois House of Representatives. The mighty Chicago Tribune wants mighty Mike Madigan out of the speakership. Not easy, because Madigan's just been re-elected to the House for two more years, his 26th re-election in a row. And he's told the Tribune, quote, I'm not going anywhere. The speakership comes up for a vote in the House in January, and between now and then, you just watch the Tribune beat up on Madigan. Every bit of bad news the Tribune finds about Mighty Mike will be on the front pages and opinion pages in columns and cartoons accusing Madigan of beating the drums of corruption, lamenting his control of the House and the patronage and money he controls being the chairman of the Democrat Party of Illinois. The Tribune does not like Mike Madigan flexing his muscle to support or defeat the legislation and policies of even the governor of Illinois. And the newspaper is suspicious of Madigan's ways of outsmarting federal prosecutors forever seeking evidence of him doing something illegal. The war between the Tribune and Mike Madigan is a war to watch. The power of a newspaper versus the power of a politician. The speaker who's been speaker more years than any speaker in any state in the nation. Out? I wouldn't bet on it. I'm Walter Jacobson, and that's my perspective. For more, visit WGNRadio.com or download the WGN Radio app. WGN Radio. I'm Raleigh James. We'll forego the bumper because I've only got a few minutes left, and I want to spend them with Professor Fraud, Bill Cressy. And we were just mentioning the Electoral College, and I'm a big fan of that, of course, because I understand United States is a plural noun, and that there were many constitutional reasons for this. But that all that said, the states have all the power, as well as they should, in the vote counting. So when we're talking about a fear of some pretty widespread fraud, if that's the case. I don't believe there's anything the federal government can really do to step in, or if they can, when and how can they, Bill? Well, as you point out, uh, again, this is something, uh, this this should be Civics 101, but we, uh, the federal government is a federal government. We have 50 sovereign states uh, that have plenary powers, except for those powers that they give to the federal government. The federal government is a government of limited, enumerated powers, and the Constitution Article 1, Section uh, 4 says that uh, the elections of federal officers are to be uh, determined or the process by the state legislature. So the states uh, make these decisions and come forward. Uh, Article 2 talks about the electors that uh, go to Washington and, and vote for the, uh, uh, for the president. Uh, so the, the federal government can step in if if the idea of having a representative republic is being denied, uh, so if okay. if voters are being, uh, you know, stopped from going to the polls and stopped from voting, now 
where that might apply is if there has been, especially you know, state-sponsored uh, or state-sanctioned vote fraud going on, then the federal government can step in. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I think we're, we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves with the states uh, have to continue, if there's still uh, ballots to be counted, continue with the counting. If, if it's a situation where there should be a recount, then a recount should be done. Canvases should, of course, be done. And um, and at that point, uh, we, we've got time on this. Everyone seems to be rushing on this. We, remember in 2000, mm-hmm. um, Al Gore didn't concede until December 13th. So we've got some time. Let's let the process continue. If there are questions, address them. Don't just try to brush them off. Don't try to hide them. Don't try to cover things up. Let's address the questions. Let's dig deep, dig into it, you know, and if if it takes work, then we do the work. But right now, let's, you know, uh, keep conducting this election. Here, here, I'm I'm with you, uh, a thousand percent. And again, my worry is not for who's the winner. My worry is for the process. And if we come away from this, however it winds up, with a good hunk of people, I won't even say majority, but a solid minority, absolutely distrusting the process, we've lost our republic. And what bothers me, I see it online every day, is individuals who, uh, you know, immediately say, well, can't can't the Trumpers realize that Trump and we won and move on and anybody here's the basic logic and this is what scares the hell out of me anybody who contests this is just a trump supporter who wants trump in and as far as i'm concerned no when you bring up a series of irregularities and i didn't say fraud but just things worthy of investigation you damn well better find a way to investigate them but the tone and the fiber of individuals who are adamantly opposed to that is what my greatest concern is yeah and as you pointed out and and, and what my big concern is the confidence of the american people in our elections we know from various surveys that anywhere from 25 to 50 percent of americans do not believe in the results of our elections and when that happens you're right the republic collapses sure. it does. We, we've got and this is why you know the the, the this project uh with uh, mit and caltech to have these post-election audits so that we can show people that yes we have you know we are very high confident that this you know this was the outcome of the election and uh i think anything less than that anything than making the american people confident in the in the outcome of their election an election official is not doing their job uh, here, here. I'm with you. And you see, though, even many election officials who are taking that stance of, uh, uh, you know, uh, shut up, go away, he won, there's nothing to see here. And uh, I'm hoping that all states will get to the bottom of this. Obviously, I'm hoping that we don't have to invalidate uh, a state uh, state's election results. Uh, we, uh, It is yet a long time and overnight to, uh, to December 14th, depending on how you look at it. And uh, we never see anything like it. And we are also seeing uh, uh, the, the prospect of a lot more violence over this. And, uh, you know, there again, you can be conspiratorialist and say it's being fomented or what have you. But uh, I, I don't think that our concerns are anywhere near over in this process. I, I, I think you're right, but I, I think the way out of it is just 
the election officials and the party officials and the politicians, in, in some respects, just do your job. Let's get the election done. If there are questions, uh, fine, let's address them. Let's answer the questions. If it's a misunderstanding, great. Explain what happened. If there needs to be an investigation, then investigate. If it needs a litigation, then you take it to court. But let's stop with the grandstanding. Let's yeah. just do the job and let's get the, the results of this election in. Right, right. Uh, as opposed to individuals who are saying, oh my God, don't recount it. Maybe maybe it'll change. We won't have what we want, you know, or, or things of that nature. Exactly. Uh, I, I think on a personal level, the takeaway from our discussion has been that if you are in any way victimized by any form of identity theft or think you might be, don't ignore the letter. Don't, you know, it's just like when you get those letters from those uh, crazy lawyers who have uh, bought the list for the fifth time of uh, bad debt and they send you this letter saying, you know, you owe us 10,000 bucks, people throw it in the trash, not really realizing if I don't answer this letter, I've just made the debt real. So whatever it is, pay attention. And I'm sure that uh, that you're going to be talking about this not only in the classroom, but sadly for quite a long time to come. And I really appreciate you talking to us about it. Well, it's been quite an honor being on with you, oh, uh, you. And, and listening to the wonderful bumper music that, oh. you've been known, that you're known for. Oh, aren't you kind? Well, we'll do it again. Excellent. I All look right. forward to it. Thanks. Thanks. Professor Fraud, Bill Cressy, Assistant Professor at Governor State University in University Park. And if you are fortunate enough, maybe you're taking a course with him. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. So we'll pick it up next hour. I'll drag out the beef box. Yes, you'll stand on it. 888-876-5593. That's 8888 Raleigh. You can continue to vote on the world's worst hit records. By the way, the votes have been really heating up by email while I was talking to Bill. I got a vote for Ray Peterson's Tell Laura I Love Her. That's right. So, yeah, Laura and Tommy were lovers. All right. Well, your votes will be counted. That's right. There will be no fraud in this. And we'll play back the winners on a night of turkeys, Thanksgiving night. Or maybe that's the losers. I'm Raleigh James. It's WGN Radio.